Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. It's a joy and an honor to meet with you. And uh, I'm glad that you are watching this. This is our Sunday School lesson for January the 16th of 2022. We're moving right along in this new year. And um, as if you've been keeping up with all of this and with Sunday School, uh, you know this already, but in case you're uh, new, we are taking a break from the New City Catechism during the month of January and just doing some things, some lessons that I wrote that were on my heart for our church. So I hope you'll take them to heart and thank you for taking the time to listen to these things and watch these things as the case may be. And uh, thank you to all of the Sunday school teachers who prepare diligently every week and you love and pray for your class and you give them uh, the truth and stick with the script. It's important that we all be on the same page and I appreciate you and love you and pray for you very, very much. In fact, let's have a word of prayer before we go into this lesson. Father, we want to ask you to bless and to anoint this time and we pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to His church and that we would have the heart and the mindset to apply what you have for us to believe your word, to receive your word, and to obey your word. And thank you, Lord, that uh, we always can depend upon the infallible, inerrant, eternal, all-sufficient word of God. And we just want to say, Lord, that we love you and thank you for what you give us and thank you for this opportunity. May it all be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I would like for you to turn to the book of Ephesians and let's go to the sixth chapter, and we're going to talk about making warfare effective. Okay, now let me tell you why I have that title and where I'm going with the introduction to that. I have heard in various churches that I served, people that would uh, say, well, I'm having all of these problems with my kids, with my finances, with my health, with uh, marriage and with relationships, and I don't understand what's going on because I, ready for this? because I did my warfare, quote unquote. And um, I've heard that particularly a lot here at Graceway because I've been here the longest. And people will come in with this idea that if I, quote unquote, do my warfare, I shouldn't have any problems the rest of the day. I mean, I told the demons to go away and that should take care of everything, right? And yet it doesn't seem to do so. What is the problem? And I want to challenge that phrase, I did my warfare. Have you done your warfare? Warfare is not something that is done and set aside. Warfare is something that all day long you are doing, and you're doing it not just in your speech, not just in a formulaic way when you're doing your morning quiet time. It's done also when you go to work, when you go to school, it's done when you interact with people. It's done when you come home from work. It's done in the way you treat other people. In fact, we're going to see that, that in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, that as Paul gets ready to talk about warfare, who we wrestle against, the demons of hell, and about the armor that we put on in order to defend ourselves against their attacks, in order to be victorious, he addresses a, a whole slate of practical, everyday, lifelong situations that we need to pay attention to. And so uh, here's what I'm going to say. Just because you, 
quote, did your warfare, unquote, at the beginning, and then you mistreat your wife, you just negated everything. If you are doing your warfare and then doing something that is immoral, you negated your warfare. This is something that is a lifestyle. And I'm going to put it like this. Paul seems to indicate that it's every step we take during the day when we walk with the Lord, we are engaging and fighting and defeating the enemy. Now, when we do it for ourselves, when we veer off the path, when we decide that uh, we can categorize our life and I'm no longer in warfare mode, I did that this morning, I'm done with all of that, you're going to get whipped. You're going to be defeated. You're either a victim or you are a victor. And we want our victory to touch literally every part of our life, which means we are engaged in warfare all day long and in every part of our life. So with that being said, we remember that in Ephesians 6, 12, I'll just read this. You don't have to look at this right now. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day or the day when evil shows up, which basically is every day. And having done all, not just something in the morning to start your day, but all day long, having done all to stand. And so um, that's the way that we uh, think about when we think about warfare. But we've got to back up to verse 1 of this chapter. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, why would Paul in uh, Ephesians 6 verse 1 start talking about something like this? Okay, let's read it together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, he's quoting the Old Testament, and that you may live long on the earth. Verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training, the nurture, or the discipline and admonition, the warning of the Lord. Verse 5, bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. In other words, honoring them in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, only when they're watching, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, from the heart, not just actions, with good will, wanting good for your employer and your company and the other people you work with, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. It doesn't matter. Just do right. Verse 9 says, And you masters do the same things to them. Okay? They both kind of intersect, don't they? Giving up threatening and knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then on down we go into those uh, warfare and uh, armor uh, passages. Why in the world, we need to ask? 
does Paul take a section of scripture that is so important about who we wrestle against that it's not flesh and blood, but it's against the demons of hell. And notice that principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, all of those things are in the plural because Satan is only one entity and he can't be everywhere at once. And so who is it that we're fighting and wrestling against? His demons, the fallen angels, the ones who followed him when he rebelled against God. And as we understand that, we realize that it's not my wife who is my enemy, it's the powers of darkness, the demons of hell. It's not my children, it's not my boss, it's not my employees, it's not the government or anything like that. We've got to find out who the real enemy is. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he could look down at the crowd that was jeering him, mocking him, and even had crucified him. And he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How could he do that? Well, he could do that because he knew they weren't the enemy. The enemy was what was behind them, motivating them, pushing them. And uh, the demons of hell were the ones doing that. And we need to be able to do that as well, to know that the people in our lives who are causing problems for us are not the enemy. We're commanded to love them, pray for them, to bless them, to feed them when they're hungry, to give them drink when they're thirsty, and uh, witness to them, and bless them when they curse us. Remember that? And uh, so what do we do? We understand who the right enemy is, and most of us are spinning our wheels because we're fighting the wrong enemy. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, and you may, quote unquote, again, do your warfare in the morning and then fight flesh and blood all day. No wonder your warfare is not working. And so we've got to get all of this in order. And so Paul addresses virtually every area of our life as he also addresses the enemy and the armor that we wear. And I think the two things contextually go together. It's as we raise our children, we're fighting the good fight, we're fighting warfare. As we are going through life and uh, working and employing other people and all of those kind of things that it speaks of here, we're engaged in our warfare. And so as we do these things, we realize who the enemy is, the armor that we have to have on, and how we apply that armor in the last part of Ephesians 6. Now we're just going to look at the first part of it, at the uh, practical side of things, and talk about making warfare effective. How do I do that? Number one, the principle is authority. Authority. We've got to obey and we've got to honor. And so Paul addresses children, children that are in the church, children that are uh, being raised by Christian parents, and he says, you obey your parents and you do it in the Lord. That phrase is so important in the book of Ephesians. In the Lord, in him, in Christ, those types of phrases are used over 40 times because literally everything we do, Paul said in another place, in him we live and breathe and move and have our being, right? And so we live in the Lord and he lives in us. Christ in us is the hope of glory, and then we are in him. Our insides and our outsides are taken care of. We're always in his presence, and we're always to live for his glory, and uh, even our children. Now, we have a kind of a fallacy, I think, where we think today children can't get it, they can't understand, and granted, we do know we're not stupid. They are limited in what they can do and understand, and if they're not regenerate, if they're not born again, 
then they can't receive the things of God in the way that we can because they haven't been saved yet. We understand that, but yet we are to teach them the word and we're to teach them the things of God. And we are also supposed to be, this would be a good word for this age. We're supposed to be their parents, not their friends, not their buddies, not their peers, their parents. We have authority over them. And so children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then they are told not only to obey us, but they are to honor their father and their mother. And that's the first commandment with promise that your days may be long, oh, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And so let's just think about this. Warfare is really a uh, practice of authority. It's when I can have the spiritual authority that is granted to me by my father and bring that against the inferior demons of hell who are subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ, right? And so I use the power, the strength, and the authority that I have been given by the ultimate authority. And so if that's not right, and if I'm not under the authority of Christ, then what good is warfare going to do for me? And if we are not teaching our children to respond properly to authority, are they going to respond to the authority of Christ? Well, they might, but you've made it difficult for them. Are they going to really use their authority properly as they grow up and exercise it in whatever area, in spiritual warfare or in the church or relating to other people? Probably not. They might, but you're making it harder for them. You see, the, where all this begins and where it begins to work out practically is when they are little bitty and they're in the home and they learn to love you. That's a given. But they also have to learn to respect you, to honor you, and they have to, as a condition of that, learn to obey you. Somebody is always going to be the boss over them. We're never out from under authority. We have God's authority. We have the church's authority. We have governmental authority. And uh, we certainly have the authority that comes over us in our uh, employment, school and work and, you know, those kind of things. And uh, the, the children learn how to respect those authorities in their life by um, respecting and honoring their parents. I have uh, talked to any number of school teachers over the year who tell me, and they almost all say the same thing, I can tell you on the first day of class, within a very short period of time, which children come from solid homes and which do not. Why is that? Well, a lot of it is because you've got more of an opportunity to teach your children about authority and about obedience in a functional home as opposed to a dysfunctional home. So no wonder Paul brings all this up because where do children learn about authority from their parents, of course. And they apply this then as they deal with teachers, as they deal with church leaders, as they deal with law enforcement, as they deal with uh, even the Lord himself. And so they're commanded here that they are to obey and that means to listen and then to act accordingly. And uh, we, we find it where as time goes on, it's increasingly more difficult to get children to listen 
to anyone who is in authority. They just pass it off. They don't really care about it. Where do they learn to um, not listen and therefore not to obey? And unfortunately, they learn that a lot of times in the, in the home. So parents, take note of all of this. This speaks of parental responsibility as much as it does to the children. And then it says that this is to be done with honor, and that is uh, meaning to value and to respect. And so they may hear you and they may do what you tell them to do just because you're bigger than them or you hold leverage over them. But the key is you want them to respect you because as that goes, so their life is going to go with the authorities that are in their life and especially unto the Lord. So that's children, obey and honor. Number two, we've got a word to parents about parenting. It's got to be centered on God. Now, I say that because I see a lot of parents. This has been a problem for a long time, but it's more of one today that the whole home revolves around the child and the child rules. It's whatever the child wants. It's whatever the child thinks he needs. It's whatever the child pitches a fit about. That's what the parents do. Oh, I just couldn't put up with that. So we just gave in and they know how to wear you down. They are really good at sin and they're really good at what they do. And they know how to just nag at you and just keep after it till finally you give up and they win because they don't. And it's kind of like being chewed to death by a duck, someone said. They just keep on and 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 keep on. And finally you go, it's just not worth it. Go ahead. And you give in. And uh, maybe you do the opposite. Maybe as they begin to repeat the same thing over and over and over, asking for this, can I do this? No, you can't do that. Can I do it now? No, you can't do it now. But I want to. No, you can't do it now and all of that. And then finally, you blow up and you get angry and you get harsh and you say things that you would never say if you were thinking and you never would say it if you were under the control of the Holy Spirit and those words, well, they can't always be taken back, can they? And just to illustrate it, if I'm speaking to adults right now, I promise you, you've got something that some adult said to you when you were a kid that you can remember to this day and it still makes you angry and you can still remember where it happened, when it happened, how it happened, what they said, what they were wearing, what you were wearing and where you were. And it may have been decades ago that that happened. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is one of the biggest lies I've ever heard because it does hurt and it's hard to forget and it shapes our life. And so the Apostle Paul tells us in this next thing that while you are teaching your children to obey and while you are being the authority in their lives and teaching them how to honor authority, then you've got to be careful about this because Paul says, and you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Obedience is important, but um, gosh, I guess if you took a, had a bullwhip with you all the time, it wouldn't be any problem. They would obey you, but they wouldn't love you and they wouldn't honor you. And as soon as they got bigger than you or were able to take the bullwhip out of your hand, they'd use it on you, Right. And at best, when they get to be 18, they're out the door and then they can go and live what they want. That has never been our goal as Christian parents, has it? 
We want them to grow up to be responsible followers of Christ and responsible parents, responsible adults. You're not raising a two-year-old little girl. You're raising a mommy. You're not raising a four-year-old little boy. You're raising a daddy. You're raising adults. And we've got to think about this. And when Paul says, don't provoke your children to wrath, it means that as we are disciplining our children, we're to do it, of course, with love. But uh, some people think that love and discipline are two different things. No, they actually go together. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that the discipline of God proves his love. And the same thing is true for you, parents. Your discipline is actually a part of your love. But don't do it in anger and don't do it harshly. Don't overdo it. Sometimes you see parents and what they do, it's like, whoa, the kid did a little thing that should have been disciplined, but your discipline was killing a fly with a cannon. Don't do that. Don't bring them to the point where they're just angry and they give up. They're exasperated because they say, I never can please my mom. I never can please my dad. So what's the point? I'll just do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And they've given up. They don't have a conscience anymore. They don't have any tenderness toward you anymore. And so we've got to kind of keep in mind here that obedient, obedience and respect are important, but other things are actually higher. It's how you do it. It's why you do it. And we need to do it for their good. We need to do it for their well-being, not just because we were ticked off, not just because we couldn't take it anymore, not just simply because we're angry and we've got to vent. That has nothing to do with Christian parenting. So when we talk about nurture, the Greek word is paideia, and it means the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of the mind and the morals. That's the literal definition of the word nurture. In other words, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How does the word of God apply to every situation of life? And we don't want our children to reject the Lord, to reject his word, or to reject the morals that we've tried to teach them. And so we've got to bring them up not making them just angry and, and throwing up their hands and wanting to quit and they can't wait until they're emancipated, but to teach them to love those things, to embrace those things, the benefits of those things because they come from God and from his word. We also want to do it with admonition. And the word admonition, I've heard preachers misuse this word. They say, oh, I just love you so much. I want to admonish you to, and, and they're using it more like encouragement. That's not the word. The word admonish or admonition means reproof. That means you stand between your child and sin. It means warning, and it's for the purpose of correction. I want to fix this. I want you to do the right thing and to move and go the right way. We never do right when we just throw up our hands and say, well, I don't know what we can do. In fact, I had somebody come to me one time uh, years ago in this church talking about their teenage daughter and uh, said she comes in at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, wakes us up. We don't think it's good for her to be out that late. We don't think it's good for her to come into the house that night and wake us up. We've got work to do. Uh, what can we do about that? And I said, well, you can make some rules that she can't do that. And their response was, oh, no, we can't do that. She's 18. And my response was, I don't care if my kids are 40. If they're living in my house and I'm paying the bills and it's going to be by my rules, right? And that may sound old fashioned, 
but that's kind of the way it is. And so when your children are doing wrong, whether they are a two-year-old or whether they're a 25-year-old that they're living in your house, it's your responsibility to admonish them about what they're doing wrong, not accommodate them. And so many parents are accommodating because they're afraid, well, my kid won't like me or or whatever it may be. You got to be stronger than that. And you've got to stand up for those kind of things. It's a scriptural command, not an optional statement that we have. And then he modifies it all by saying the nurture and admonition, look, of the Lord. That means according to his ways, that's scripture. And it means that parents, you're not allowed to be harsh and angry with your children. You're not to be unreasonable and hard to please. You're to be truthful. Don't just make a bunch of threats that you really don't mean. Uh, I heard James Dobson say one time, if you're threatening to throw your kid out of the window, if he does that one more time, you better do it or don't threaten like that. And then, of course, his advice to us was don't make threats that you can't do legally or morally or ethically or whatever. Uh, Make sure that you tell them what's going to happen. And then when they misbehave, Make sure you follow through on what you do, but don't be unreasonable. Don't be hard to please. Be truthful, loving, and consistent. Boy, I think the issues of authority and consistency are the big issues in a parent's life and to their children. And we've got to prepare them, of course, for adulthood, which we've already talked about. Number three, notice he has to meddle around in our lives and talk about employment We are to go to work every day as to the Lord, as if we're working for Jesus. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. That means we're to honor them. And we're also to do it in sincerity of heart. It's not a game. It's not a show. And we're to do it as to Christ, not just with eye service. In other words, while they're looking or while other people are looking, because that would make us a men pleaser. But as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Is that clear enough? Go to work for Jesus. Work while you're working there. Whether anyone's looking or not, remember you're always being watched by the Lord. To those who are over you, you don't gossip about them. You don't put them down. You don't lie about them. You don't wish for their downfall like so many people do today. What do you do? The Bible says you're supposed to serve them and honor them. In other words, you go to work there for Jesus and you say, Lord, how can I make my boss successful today? How can I make this company that pays me, how can I make it to be the best it can be to be successful today? And we go in with the eyes of a servant to go in to minister, not just simply going for a paycheck, not just simply going because it is expected of us or we don't know where else to go, but we're to be diligent even when no one is looking because we're doing this as to the Lord. So you go to work and you slack off on your job, you're lazy, you don't follow through on things, you're not obedient to those who are over you, and you don't do it, even if you are obedient, you don't do it with the right attitude, and you don't do it serving the Lord. But I did my warfare. It's not going to work. It's not going to fly. 
This is all something that changes us. Warfare doesn't just get rid of the enemy. It changes us and puts us under God's authority. You see that? And then he goes on to talk about employers. Treat people without partiality is what we're going to say. In other words, if you have people working for you, don't have favorites and don't do things for one that you wouldn't do for another. And don't load all of the credit jobs on one person and then the favorable ones on another. Uh, now, of course, you have to do it according to their position and according to their job assignment and description. But uh, you, know, you know what that means. And you know when you've been in a job where you're not appreciated, where you're not um, contributing, uh, where you're not listened to, where you're not valued or anything like that. And so Paul says, and you masters... Do the same things. What we just read about the employees, you do the same things, but to them. In the turning it around in the appropriate manner, of course. Giving up threatening. You're not to be uh, just uh, yelling and making threats, uh, whether you intend to carry them out or not. That doesn't make anybody want to work harder for you. And it says, knowing that your own master, in other words, you're never out from under authority, also is in heaven, and there is no, and this is where we pick the, the point up, partiality with him. So we're going to say that if you have people that work for you, maybe you own the company, maybe you're a manager, maybe you're a foreman, something like that, a supervisor, then what does it say? Well, you don't bully them. You don't work by intimidation. or You don't just throw your weight around with them. You're to consider how you treat those who serve you in every aspect of life. Because, you know, I don't care who you are, you probably go to eat at a restaurant and there's a waiter or a, wait a waitress that is serving you. You know, at that particular point, in, in a small degree, a small degree, you're their boss. They're working for you, aren't they? How do you treat people that are under you? How do you treat people? that serve you in those kind of situations or those who cut your hair or do your nails or clean your house or cut your grass? How do you treat people that um, maybe you run into when you're going into a building and there's somebody there that is cleaning or somebody there that is working in the flower beds? How do you, how do you treat those kind of people? How do you treat the people that work for you? And so Paul has a lot to say because if we're mistreating people, remember Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And I think there's a lot to be said. In fact, I heard of one guy, a CEO of a company, he said whenever he gets ready to hire somebody, he goes through all of the job interviews and all of that kind of stuff. And then he goes out to eat with them. And uh, he has him bring his wife, if it's a man, or husband, if it's a woman. And uh, then they go out to eat at a, a pretty nice restaurant. And then he watches them, and he watches their manners. He watches how they treat each other, because he doesn't want a man working for him that is demeaning to his wife, or vice versa. And then he also watches very carefully how they treat the waiter or the waitress or anyone else that's in the restaurant because how that person treats people that are kind of working for them is how he's going to treat most people. That shows what he really is in his heart. Well, that's what Paul is saying here to us. Don't go to church and crow about how, oh, I love Jesus and then treat the people that work for you like dirt. Treat people that you consider to be beneath you, which they're really not. 
uh, and treat them accordingly because they're not in your station in life. Don't do that because the Lord treats people without partiality and that's the way we are to treat people as well. So again, if we don't have authority in our life and in our family, in our homes, if we are not raising up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if we are not working on the job as we are working for Christ, and if we are not using the uh, position that we have as an employer or a supervisor or whatever it may be for the glory of God and for the good of those who are working under us, then you can say, I did all my warfare and you can do all of the stuff that you uh, do when you do your warfare and it's not going to be effective. Why? Because you're not living it. And warfare is not something, again, that you do and then we're done and it's a magic formula that covers your whole day. It is something that you live. The same thing is true of your prayer life. Prayer is not something you do and then put away. Your quiet time is not something you do and put away. It's something that you are supposed to now live in every part of your life. Well, warfare is exactly the same way. And the enemy can identify you when you violate these things as a hypocrite, and they know you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not obedient to the Word, and you're not living under the authority of the Lordship of Christ, and oh, brother, do they ever love rebellion, and you become an ally with the enemy. Does that hurt? You become an ally instead of being victorious against them. So the point is, let's, let's quit depending on some little something that we do every once in a while or occasionally or maybe even daily, and let's start letting it trickle down into every part of our life. And the way we treat our husband or our wife, the way we treat our children, the way we treat our parents, the way that we run our home, the way that we... Uh, look at our children and our attitude about disciplining them, the way we work, the way we employ. Think about all of that. It bleeds through into every and colors every part of our life. And if it doesn't do that, then it didn't really matter anyway. If you don't expect it to do that, then it doesn't really matter anyway. Play your games and do whatever you want to do, but don't expect any fruit. Don't expect any results. Because when Paul says all of this, and puts it together for us, the very next thing is when he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. As you are being a parent, as you are going to work, as you are treating people under you with kindness and respect, then be strong in the Lord, because that's what strength of the Lord really does. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And that introduces a section on the armor of God. And by not having all of these other areas right, verses 1 through 9, then we're literally shooting ourselves in the foot. And then we're trying to overcome the enemy while we limp. And we wonder why we're not effective. Holy living, holy living is the call. Glor the glory of God is the call. And loving God and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is the call. And it will be a battle as you do that. And the world will oppose you. Your flesh will oppose you. And the demons of hell will oppose you. And oh, are they ever happy when they can get you to compartmentalize your life. When they can get you to leave your religion at the church house. 
when they can get you to say, oh, my quiet time's over, done with that, and it never affects your life. Oh, they love that. They love that because that's the way they are. There are times when you find Jesus encountering demons and they would be very respectful to him, but they didn't love him and they knew they had to obey him, but they were rebels against him. And you don't want to act that way and you don't want to be that way. And so that's why Paul says, here's the pattern. Here's how I want you to live. And then goes into the armor section because you're never going to be able to do it on your own. But you can do it if you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, I appreciate you taking time to um, listen or watch, uh, as the case may be. And may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord make you to be effective and victorious as you stand strong in the Lord in every area of life and you are walking and standing in the power of not your might, but his might. Because victory belongs to you because you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Now let's appropriate that victory into every area of our life. God bless you and thank you once again.